0: if just beyond this season of turmoil is your best season yet kevin wallace dives into how god can turn any season into a time of blessing in his new book after this it's available now to order receive your copy today by visiting www.kevinwallace.tv stand firm and believe there is an after this Hey family, Kevin Wallace here from Redemption to the Nations Church. We've got a message for you today that I believe God gave me to bring strength and hope and joy to your journey. I want you to get your heart open. I want you to get ready to receive this word. I don't believe your life's ever going to be the same again. God's getting ready to take you to a new level. I'll see you at the end of this message and we'll pray together. God bless. Enjoy this word. I'm not going to preach a whole sermon, but And if I didn't feel like God gave me this for us and where we're going, I wouldn't even feel, um, I wouldn't have even prayed about should I share it because we're in a flow. And I think one of the things sometimes is when you get in a flow, you think that's the only time you're ever going to get in a flow and you don't want to come out of it. But I've learned in revival that not only do we need to experience, we need to hear from God. And that the Lord provides word and shapes our future with word that brings structure and definition to what he's doing among us. Can you say amen? And so um, I just want you to know here's what we're going to do. I'm going to teach and then I've asked um, Justin and the drama team to do the drama at the end because they've worked hard on this and it's a great commercial of what's coming next weekend. And how many are thankful for uh, our fine arts department? This is just an amazing group of people. So I'm just going to tell you where this is going to go so that you know that you're not going to get out nine minutes at 12 o'clock. There is no 12 o'clock line. I don't even know who created that, but it doesn't exist, okay? Um, It's not going to happen by 12 today. I'm going to teach, and then we're going to have um, the snippet of the drama that's going to be played, and then we're all going to go uh, have chicken or something, okay, somewhere. So uh, I just want you to know I feel no pressure, and... I'm just going to speak until I feel the anointing lift. Amen? And, uh, and I feel God shift us somewhere else, and, and we'll do it then. So let me say a couple things while you're opening your Bible to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Um, I don't want Athens to hear me, and I want everybody in the house to hear me. This is, this is I believe, a download from heaven. When I'm, and, and I'm not talking about my sermon. I'm talking about direction I'm getting ready to give you. I really believe we've heard from God. Um, as we race toward 2022, uh, many of you remember a couple of weeks ago, Devin preached a message about the glory of the Lord. How many were here for that Sunday? It was a powerful Sunday, and she began to release uh, about the glory of the Lord and 100 days to glory. And that was the result of an intercessor's dream that God gave one of the intercessors in our house Uh, where a number of people in the dream, uh, myself, Devin, other leaders in our church, were saying 100 days to glory, 100 days to glory. And when Devin shared the dream with me, we get dreams and, and visions all the time, and I want you to know I receive every one of those that are sent in. We pray over them and we weigh it, ask the Lord, give us wisdom on executing it. But this dream just felt a little different and a little deeper. And Devin began to share it with me, and when she began to pray into it, she got some revelation on it. She began to preach out of that revelation. After that sermon, I began to ask God, what are you saying to redemption to the nation's church? And I believe God began to speak beyond just our church fellowship, although this was the intended target. And God began to say to me, this 100 days of glory is really a movement and um, 100 days to glory. And so we were in a pastor's meeting just this past week, in fact, and I felt like God whispered to me, said, this is the 100 movement. And as you race and as we race toward 2022, um, on January 1, I want you to begin a 100 movement. And the first 100 days of 2022, I want you spending it preparing for the glory of the Lord the first 100 days, and he said, I want you and Devin to begin to believe for 100 leaders who will join this 100 movement, pastors, uh, parachurch leaders, whoever's watching this later, watching it right now, we believe that God's going to do it here, and then he's going to share this in the hearts of 100 leaders, and here's what it means. For the first 100 days of 2022, Devin and I are going to... um, a uh, uh, hundred leaders or whoever they are from wherever they are and they're going to join this house for the first 100 days of 2022 and here's what we're going to commit to God. A hundred minutes of prayer per week to God. That's 12 to 15 minutes of prayer a day. A hundred minutes in the word per week. That sounds daunting, right? Everybody's like, oh my gosh, a hundred. That's 12 to 15 minutes a day in the Bible. A hundred days of generosity and random acts of kindness. And a hundred days of consecration of something or fasting an item. Not, a, not no food for a hundred days. But, but like me, I'm, I'm just telling you right now, I'm giving up sweet tea for a hundred days. Somebody said, what about fried chicken? Don't push your luck, okay? <laughs> but for a hundred days, I'm not going to drink an ounce of sweet tea, which is what I drink all the time. And, and here's the deal. I'm believing God, and in the first 100 days of this year, a people are going to get more prepared than they've ever been before. And you say, Pastor, 12 to 15 minutes of prayer a day, I can't do that. We're going to talk about prayer this morning because it's, it's a farce and a lie that born-again people can't talk to the God that saved them for 12 or 15 minutes a day. How many know Jesus is coming? How many know he's going to reveal his glory? The book of Isaiah, the 40th chapter, the 5th verse says, The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And yet, as we're getting ready to read in a portion of the Christmas story this morning, when Jesus arrived, the Bible says in the Gospel of St. Luke, the 2nd chapter, there was no room for him. There was no vacancy for Jesus. So look at this, Luke, Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, put Luke 2 up on the screen, if you will, thank you. Verse 4, i want to read this together. How many want to have room for Jesus? Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the ho- of the house and lineage of David. He did this to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and she put him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. What do you do when there is no vacancy for Jesus? What do you do when there's no vacancy for Jesus? I don't know what other people are gonna do but I know what we're gonna do. We're gonna make room for the king. And for the next four weeks, I want to talk about how we make room for Jesus in our lives and in our church, and we're going to talk about those four things, prayer, time in the word, random acts of kindness and generosity, and I'm going to focus more about what we do for others outside this building than how we do it for people inside this building. And the fourth thing is consecration and fasting. And I'm going to tell you this right now. If we come out of this committed to the Word of God and ask God to give us the grace for this, lives are getting ready to transform and families are getting ready to change. In fact, I believe cities and communities and regions can change if the people of God will just begin to say, I'm going to make room. How many want to make room for Jesus this morning? How many can say, "Lord, there's going to be a vacancy sign. There's, going to be, there's not going to be a no vacancy sign in my heart. How many are going to make room for Jesus today? And for a few minutes, I want to talk about making room for Jesus through prayer. Look at somebody, tell them, neighbor, a family that prays together stays together. Tell them a church that prays together stays together. Tell them men and women ought always. Pray amen. and give thanks to God. How many believe that? Say amen. amen. Lord, for a few moments, help me to teach on making room for you in prayer. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. A lot is said about prayer in the Word of God. The Bible is a catalog of prayers. The Bible is a catalog of prayers. From Genesis to the book of Revelation, we see men and women of God who changed history by calling on the name of the Lord. Abraham prayed and God heard him and birthed the nation. Moses prayed, and God heard him and split the Red Sea into two and they walked over on dry ground. David prayed and threw a stone and hit a giant in the head, dropped dead and God gave Israel the victory. Prayer changes things. There's a lot to be said about prayer and the Bible has a lot to say about prayer but as I thought about what I would say about prayer to the people of God, in this house this morning, I, I, I want to do something. I want to, with the help of God, remove the stigma from prayer because somehow prayer has become almost taboo in the church. And I don't just say that. I, I, I really get nervous and concerned sometimes that the church has, a, has relied on a lot of other things and we have lost the art of prayer. And there's nothing more powerful on earth than a person who knows they have audience with heaven. And yet sometimes we think that God is a gajillion miles away and that we can't access God or touch the heart of God or reach God. But the reality of it is God is only as far away as your prayer and my prayer are. And if we call on the name of the Lord and believe his word and believe he is who he said he is, we will see results and we will see God move in our life. Scripture is clear we have not because we ask not. And there's a lot of things that heaven would release if the church would just get courageous and full of faith and just ask God for those things. And sometimes you have a thought that comes into your heart, I have a thought that comes into my heart, and we think it's too big and too great and too grand. But the reality of it is if we'll ask for that thing, God will do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. Asking what we ask for is just the baseline. God says, I want to do exceedingly abundantly above what you ask. So if you're not asking, you're not even giving God something to work with. If you're not asking God, you've not even given him a place to start. Ask God for what he puts in your spirit. He gives you and I the desires of our heart. I don't think that just means he's our genie in the sky that makes our dreams come true. I think that means God plants in us desires to ask him for so that we can understand the divine connection between heaven and earth. He's simply looking for people who will get the download, open their mouth and say it, and then he will send his power to accomplish what it is we have prayed for. And so I want you and I to get in a, in a posture, in a place of asking God. And I'm not just talking about new cars and houses and all that stuff. How many, know, how many people in here have had stuff, and when you got it, it's like it didn't last as long as you thought it would? Because stuff is always temporal, and what we're craving in this day and time and in this moment of, of history, what we're craving is the eternal and if you're not craving the eternal and you're, and you're, and you're carnally uh, consumed and you're lusting for the things of this world, I want to hear you right now. I want you to hear me right now and, 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 and listen to people who you're connected to who've been there and done that tell you that, that more money doesn't give you more peace. I thank God for increase. Somebody say amen. I thank God for blessings. How many are with me right there? But at the end of the day, you can get more stuff and not more of him. And if you don't have more of him, you're still bankrupt on the inside. We need a prayer life so that we can, re- we can get in touch with the God who created us. We can hear the voice of the one who gave us, uh, as Devin said this morning, our, our original identity. Some of us are walking around in life with no purpose, no future, no focus, no direction because we haven't gone to the one who put us on the planet with the purpose that he gave us. And we've got to get back to the one who gave us original intent and original design. Prayer does that. And I want to talk about, I want to dispel, listen, I want to dispel today Um, The idea that prayer is a hardship, and I want to talk about prayer is a fellowship, prayer is worship, and prayer is partnership. If you're taking notes, that's where I'm going today. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, prayer is not a hardship. This is a lie of the enemy that prayer is hard. Well, it is hard, Pastor. Listen, I know what you mean, and I've been there too. But the reality of it is, prayer is only difficult when you think you're failing at it. And it is the job of the enemy to persuade you and I to believe that we stink at prayer. He wants us to think that we don't know how to pray, that we're not effective in prayer, that when we pray, it's a waste of time. We come out feeling more guilty than we, than we were before we went into prayer. We come out feeling condemned and like, you know, if you were really saved, you would know how to pray. Listen, I want to tell you the only way you and I fail at prayer is not to do it. The only way we fail at prayer is not to do it. Because there are people who tell you that if you don't pray an hour a day, you're not really born again. If you don't pray an hour, listen, there are days I pray an hour a day. There are days I pray 15 minutes a day. There are days I pray in in tongues under my breath half of the day. And there are some days that all I did was whisper three or four sentences to God. Some of y'all can't handle that. I'm going to tell you right now, if, if you think that it's about meeting a quota, you have lost the intimacy required for it to feel like what it's supposed to feel like. Jesus even said, thank you, Lord, that when you pray, this is in Matthew chapter 6, when you pray, don't pray like the Pharisees who stand on the corner, listen carefully, and they think they are heard for their many words. There are people who think that because they say more in prayer, they get more from heaven. And I'm telling you, Elijah prayed a 63-word prayer, and heaven split open, and fire fell that consumed the sacrifice and licked up the water in the trenches. This is not about how long you pray if while you're praying, you're simply saying things to meet a quota. If you'll call... How many know all you do is call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved? And sometimes we complicate this matter and sometimes we don't pray because we have been guilted by religion into believing we're not good at prayer. In Luke's gospel, the Bible says in Luke 11, verse 1, Jesus was in a private place praying. Now, how many know that's not abnormal for Jesus? It's not abnormal in Luke 11, verse 1, that he's in a certain place alone praying. Why is that not abnormal? Because Luke 5, 16 says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. (laughs) How many know when you withdraw to lonely places to pray, you're not lonely very long? How many have ever been praying and somebody else walk in the room with you? Y'all missing what I'm talking about. How many have ever been in a prayer meeting and people, people say, how do you pray by yourself? Well, when you start praying, you're not by yourself very long. Somebody walks in the room and gets in the prayer meeting with you. Hallelujah. I'll never forget having a prayer meeting back at the old, old church. I'm talking about the old church out on the front of the road in Ottawa. And I called a prayer meeting and one person showed up, B. O. Kelly. I was so mad, frustrated, hurt. I mean, we had maybe 75, 100 people come to the church and two people showed up, the preacher and the pastor emeritus. And I'm walking around half mad, half hateful, and B.L. Kelly is lost in the Holy Ghost. And I came over there and he said, what's wrong with you? You look like you're mad. He said, I, he said, I am mad. And I, he said, why are you mad? I said, because nobody came. He said, really? He, had, he didn't even know nobody showed up but me and him. He'd gotten so caught up in the presence of God, he didn't care about who didn't come. He was grateful for the one that showed up. I'm telling you right now a movement is happening in this house and a movement is coming to this land and it will not be for the multitude. The minority will jump in it and I want you to know that God is not going to withdraw what he wants to do simply because he cannot find a multitude. He told me to tell somebody the minority is going to capture his heart. The minority is going to get his attention. He's going to move at the voice of one, one crying in the wilderness, one hungry for the glory of God if there's just one in here that catches what I'm saying today, one man standing up with a prayer life can turn a whole house. One woman standing up with a prayer life can touch a whole house. Somebody shout. Prayer is not a hardship. Jesus, When the disciples came to Jesus, he had been praying in a certain place, and here's what they asked him. Lord, teach us how to pray. And if he wanted us to to know about how long it was and how much that mattered, if that's what it was about, he'd have said, pray, pray, pray. Say, say, say. Talk, talk, talk. Even when you don't have nothing to say, say something. Just keep talking. That's not what he taught them. When they asked him to teach, when when they said to Jesus, teach us to pray, here's what he taught them. He said, you want to know how to pray? Here's how you pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Come on, football players, even unsafe football players know this prayer. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and forever. Amen. And can you see Peter, James, John, and the apostles standing there going, (gasps) I <gasps> You mean that's all it takes? Yes. Why does why does it not take more, Jesus? Because our Father knows what you need before you even open your mouth and ask him. In other words, don't beat around the bush. Don't waste your time. Don't waste God's time. Don't mill around and talk and, and, and just waste the, the moments that you have. Get straight to business. Know what it is that you're there for. Know what it is that you need when you get down to pray. God already knows and he's waiting on you to acknowledge your need and when you acknowledge your need he's willing to release the anointing he's willing to release the answer how many know that God's in the business of answering prayer say amen Amen. prayer is not a hardship we have to break this lie off the church I can't pray I'm not deep you're not deep because you haven't prayed It's not that you're not deep. It's that you're not deep because you haven't prayed. If you want to get deeper, you don't have to sound deeper. Just pray. If it's five minutes a day, I dare you to start out talking to God and just begin to talk to him. Well, how do I have to sound? Let me address this. Thou, thou who made the heavens. (laughs) Listen, be for real. And I know some people who pray like that and they are as real as the day is long. That's how they talk. But if I talk to Devin like that, wouldn't get no loving. Walk into the bedroom. Vow. Some of us want power and we won't be anointing, but we don't want intimacy in prayer. And God said, I don't want you to come in talking like a religious priest. I want you to come in talking like a son and a daughter. I don't want you to come in pretending to be something you're not and trying to make me think because of your vernacular and your accent that, that that you walk in some super spiritual level. There are some times when all I can do is with a trembling jaw and tears running down my face, lift my hands and say, Lord, I need you right now. I, I don't have time to work it up. I don't have time to play. I don't have time to go through. I need a prayer through. And I want to thank God this morning that it's not about me me sounding pious and religious it's not about me sounding Pentecostal it's about me opening my mouth and making my petition known the Bible said in Psalm 34 this poor man cried unto the Lord and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all of his trouble prayer is not a hardship number one prayer is a fellowship prayer is a fellowship How many are thankful for fellowship with God? Now listen to this. In the book of Genesis, the third chapter, after Adam sinned, the Bible said Adam hid himself. Say, Adam hid himself. Eighth verse. Adam hid himself from God. Why? Because he had sinned. And when he sinned, he covered he and Eve with fig leaves. Why fig leaves? Because he's in a garden. Think about it. And what is he trying to do by covering himself with fig leaves? He's trying to camouflage himself. He's trying to blend in. He doesn't want God to see him. And so he hides himself. And he camouflages himself. Which is exactly what we do on Sunday. We come into church and we don't have freedom and we don't have peace and we have all this guilt on us because throughout the week we've gotten some sin involved in our life and we've committed some sin and we never confessed our sin and we never asked the Lord to cleanse us and we never got rid of the sin so we come in here on Sunday, watch, with the shame of sin on us and we don't want to lift our hands because we know the mess we made. Is anybody listening to me right now? and we know the stuff we've done and we've screwed it up and we've made a royal mess out of it. And so what happens when we come to church and God starts talking, we start hiding. But I want to tell you what kind of God we serve. He doesn't sit in some far removed corner of the universe and watch us hide behind the fig leaves of religion. He comes right down here and gets all up in our business and he knows the mess we made and he knows the sin we committed and he knows how he hasn't heard from us in a while. He hasn't seen us in a while. We haven't come to him in a few days. We haven't seen him in a few months. And the devil takes a week and he makes it a month. And the devil takes a month. And he persuades us into staying away for a year. And the next thing you know, it's been a decade. And we haven't been in the presence of God. And we haven't heard the voice of the Lord. And the devil keeps on piling shame and reproach and condemnation upon us. Until finally God comes in and says, Adam. Jim. Bob. Okay, ladies. Susie. (laughs) Shantae." Where are you? You're not where I left you. What, where did? When's the last time Adam saw God? He saw God when God took a big deep breath and breathed into his nostrils. God help me teach right here. How can you breathe breath into someone's nostrils and not be face to face? God and Adam were face to face. But when he sinned, Adam got away from the face of God and he ran to the bushes to hide from God. That is what the devil, I feel the Lord on my neck right now. I feel him running up and down my back. That is what the Lord wants, the devil wants for you and I. It is for us who are saved and created who stood by the grace of God in the face of God and received the life of God. He wants us to run and he wants us to hide and he wants us to live in shame and he wants us to lose fellowship. But I came to tell you God's too good to leave you screwed up and disconnected and out of fellowship. So he ran back to Adam and said, where are you? And Adam said, I hid. Why did you hide, Adam? Because I sinned and the Lord said, who told you you were naked? Who told you you messed it up I want to tell you this today that the voice of God is very different than the voice of the enemy and if you don't get in a place of prayer you'll listen to the devil more than you listen to your creator that's why prayer is necessary you'll never know who you are until you touch the heart of the one that created you slap your neighbor tell your neighbor prayer is a fellowship prayer is a fellowship watch this So in Acts, I got to hurry. Acts 3, 19. Yeah, baby. If you could see what she's doing to me while I preach, she wants me to pick her up and she's got something to say. I know it. I feel it. Acts 3, 19. Watch. Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Watch. That times of refreshing shall come from the, presence of the Lord. You ready for this? That word presence in the Greek is the Greek word for face. Y'all are missing what I'm saying. Fellowship was broken. Fellowship was ruined. Sin got in the picture and marred the fellowship. We were face to face with God and now we got away from the Lord and our heart got full of stuff. It got full of sin and we disconnected from God. But the Bible said in Acts 3 repent. That doesn't mean you come down here and hawk up a bunch of tears and you cry a bunch of crocodile tears and Lord, I'm sorry and then run back out and do it again. Repentance is the Greek word metanoia, it means to not only say, I'm sorry, but God changed my mind and changed my behavior and take out of me the affections for the things of this world. I don't want to love anything more than I love Jesus. I don't want to want anything more than I want you. Say amen, somebody. I want to hear more than I want anything else in this life. And if there's anything in me with a divided allegiance, rip it out of my soul. Give me a pure heart. I want to see God. Fellowship is coming into restoration. When I announced 100 minutes of prayer a week, people sighed. But you start telling them how much time they spent on Facebook. See, and you say this and people say, why does he always bring that up? Because it is a direct contradiction of what the Bible teaches. Stop telling us that you can't pray, but you got enough Oh God, please Don't let me do this, Lord This was such a good sermon And now I'm going to make everybody mad And tick everybody off We got 190 minutes of Facebook time We got 80 minutes of Instagram time We got a TikTok and watch a thousand videos And can't read 12 scriptures And don't know the 12 apostles Or the 10 commandments The devil is a liar tell your flesh to shut up and tell the Holy Ghost to come in your car and let God be true and every man be a liar stir up the gift let the flame burn God restore the fellowship somebody say prayer is a fellowship it's not a hardship it's a fellowship it's face to face secondly prayer is worship prayer is worship When you pray, you're humbling yourself before God, calling on the God of heaven to come to your aid because you and I need God. And the greatest act of worship is one of accepting and acknowledging the fact that we are insufficient within ourselves and we need God. Well, I know I need God. Listen, it has to be more than a mental acquiescence. There is a wrestling match involved with this. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been praying and crazy thoughts go through your mind? Okay. Thank God for the 80 of y'all that said amen. The, the rest of us, I want you to understand something. When you pray, sometimes you feel crazy. Because your mind... Starts wanting to get involved. Your spirit knows what's up. The devil knows what's up. And your mind and your flesh start warring against you. This is not crazy. This is not abnormal. This is Galatians 3. The flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary. I'm in Galatians 3. You have two... Nature's inside of you, and I do too, that are contrary to each other. Not me. I don't have no flesh. You are crazy. We all have some flesh. Because any thought that comes through your mind that God didn't put there, sometimes the enemy will put thoughts there, but sometimes our crazy mind will put thoughts there. And the flesh wars against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh so that you and I cannot do, Galatians 3, what we want to do. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 7, the things I want to do, I struggle with. And the things I don't want to do, come on, talk to me, church. The things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. What is that about? It's that internal war. Here's what I have found out about prayer. Prayer sometimes is not about me saying more, or me doing more, or me finding better words to say. Sometimes prayer is just me coming there and staying and surrendering. See, there is a surrender that wins the war. I'm going to say it again There is a surrender that wins the war Somebody said what are you talking about Submit yourself to God Resist the devil And he will flee Some of us want the devil to flee But our flesh is unsubmitted to God If you want to be Victorious over the enemy And you want the enemy to run out of your life Then you got to first lose the battle That wins the war what's the battle the battle we got to lose is the battle where we surrender our flesh and we stop living for ourselves, and we stop living for our dream and we stop living for our will and we say it's time to give up and let Jesus take over and when we surrender to God the enemy don't want nothing to do with our life watch this So, so prayer is worship worship is the Greek word proskuneo everyone say proskuneo Proskuneo, it's where we get this idea of throwing kisses towards. That's literally what it means in the Greek. To kiss toward. Worship is to kiss toward. Worship is to kiss toward. I'm gonna say it to religious people get uncomfortable. Worship is to kiss toward. And this is where it gets crazy. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, When you pray. Go into a secret place, and the Greek word for secret place is or "go into a, uh, go into the inner chamber." It's the Greek word "tamion," and it's literally the inner chamber or the bedroom. <sighs> I'm trying not to be graphic because I know we got some teenagers in the room, but I'm going to tell you right now: there are, there are certain rooms, there are certain rooms where intimacy doesn't happen, but the bed chamber. Come on in here, somebody. That's why the writer of Hebrews said the marriage bed is undefiled. There's something about what happens in the secret place. It's a place of intimacy. I know y'all thinking I'm funny and looking at me like I'm weird, but there's some people in this room that have never shed a tear in the presence of God. You've never blown kisses towards God. You never loved him enough to fall in love with him. It's all an exchange. It's all an accounting thing. It's all this, this metric and it's all it's real. It's real stuck and it's real and it, it's just a mess. A, a, and there's no freedom and there's no flow and there's no intimacy. And and, and and the next time you want to know what I'm talking about, walk in, sir. Walk into your, 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 your living room and all your friends out there and start talking to your wife in King James vernacular and see how she responds. Thou lookest wonderful. <laughs> that ain't how it goes. Intimacy is not me pretending and you pretending. Intimacy is... Face-to-face. And face-to-face intimacy doesn't happen in the living room or the hallway or on the front porch or the back porch, or in the, the intimacy happens in the bedchamber. And Jesus said, when you pray, enter into that place. And the Father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. Listen to me. If you don't understand the power of intimacy in prayer, how do you think people get? See, the Bible is clear that sons and daughters are born when Zion travails. What does that mean? That means when the people of God get intimate with God and worship in the spirit, then that you can't keep an altar big enough to handle the harvest where people keep coming in. Ah, you show me an empty altar, I'll show you leadership that have no intimacy with God. When people stop getting saved in this church, you better start praying for the leadership of this house. Because when, I'm not just talking about pastors, I'm talking about everybody who's born again. When people who are born again love God and have a prayer life of worship with God, this atmosphere becomes conducive for sons and daughters to be born in the kingdom. Somebody say, prayer is worship. Look at your neighbor, we're wrapping up, look at your neighbor and say, prayer is not a hardship. Say, prayer is a fellowship. Prayer is worship finally prayer is a partnership now open your Bible to the Gospel of St. Luke I want to show you this because some people say and I was taught this at a certain place it's heresy somebody told me this growing up when I was in Bible college it's heresy they said to me prayer doesn't change God God's going to do whatever he wants to do and your prayers won't change God God doesn't change. You just prayed what he was going to do anyway. You better be careful if you believe that. Because I'm going to tell you right now, broken, contrite people move the heart of an awesome God. God was going to destroy a whole city, but decided he would change his mind about it. You say, God is too sovereign to change his mind. God is sovereign and can do whatever he wants, but don't ever forget he's loving and he rewards those that diligently seek him. Devin went to Ireland several years ago and she got to go to the Blue Room where Reese Howe used to spend Wales, Scotland, my bad, not Ireland, England, Wales, thank you. (laughs) Somewhere over there, she went to the Blue Room where... Reese Howes, a mighty, mighty man of prayer, would spend time in his blue room. It was his place of prayer. His prayer life was so powerful and effective that Winston Churchill would call him and say, Reese, what is God showing you in prayer? The entire war, I believe with all my heart hung in the balance of righteous men and women praying and having the mind of God that kept an evil man at bay. Hear me when I tell you that prayer changes things. Now, if you don't pray, you will never know what could have been. That I can't agree with. But I'm going to tell you right now, when God hears the prayers of the righteous and God sees someone on earth that believes he has the power to change what is happening in their generation, he is simply waiting on partnership. I could show you a number of places, but let me just show you one. In Luke chapter 10, he says to the disciples pray make sure i give you the right address here pray and ask god the harvest is truly great this is luke 10:2 if you can put that up on the screen chat i'm closing with this luke 10:2 pray everybody say pray. pray the lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest This is a divine partnership. He said, I need you who are on the earth to pray to the God of heaven that he raises up harvesters. The implication to me is God is inviting us to partner with him and pray for an increase of harvesters. Why? Because the harvest is ripe and ready. So what happens if we don't pray for that? Then you have ears of corn that are ready to be reaped, but if you and I haven't prayed for harvesters, you have a crop that is ready, but no one to bring it in. Jesus is inviting us to partner with heaven. pray for the Lord of the harvester, for the lord of for pray for the laborers in the harvest, because the harvest truly is plenteous. Watch this He said, pray that They be sent out, hurled, ekbaloed. That's what it means, ekbaloed, to hurl and to throw laborers out into the field. Urgent. We don't have time to argue over what songs we're going to sing. People are dying and going to hell. Come help me, I'm, I'm wrapping up. Let me just help everybody understand something. We don't have time to argue over anything. Souls are hanging in the balance. Prayer is a divine partnership by which we see the harvest of God that is ready for reaping come into the kingdom in its due season so that nothing, listen carefully, is lost. the. Without a praying movement in a church, fruit can be ready, but not be harvested, and it could be lost. So here's a question I have. What's ready for reaping that we're not ready to reap yet? I'm not being condemning. I'm saying it's time to pray. So... I don't know how many people have a prayer life in this room. I want to believe, as your pastor, 100% of us do. And I'm going I'm to operate from that premise that all of you have a prayer life. All of us have a prayer life. There are days I struggle with prayer, but I still pray. Not out of legalism, but out of love. I pray because I recognize sometimes my greatest blessing and breakthrough comes on the other side of just staying there a while. Last night is the kind of prayer meeting I didn't want it to end. I'll be honest with you. I felt God's wind invade my house. I felt the presence. I sensed the presence of God. God began to speak to me. Begin to reveal his glory. Begin to pour out his goodness. I didn't want it to end. I want you to understand that we got to get past this thing of prayer is a hardship. The first 100 days of 2022, I'm going to ask every one of you to spend 100 minutes of prayer a week. You say, Pastor, you just got through telling us that it's not about how long you're in it, and now you're giving us. Listen, it's about understanding. If you ever just start praying, 12 minutes is the least you'd have to worry about. Let me give you some thoughts. Have a prayer plan. Write this down if you're taking notes. Have a prayer plan. You say, Pastor, um, I I don't want to be scripted in my prayer. Listen, here's what I wrote down. Where's my notes? Uh, I I want to give you this. Pray for what you know you need and be willing to pray for things God shows you that you didn't know you needed. But if you know you need God to touch your family, write that down and pray that. Pray, if you know you need need healing, pray for that. If you know our nation needs God, pray for that. Don't be afraid to write down a prayer plan. Pray the plan. And if the Spirit of God begins to show you something in prayer you didn't know you needed, just pray for that. Pray by yourself. But how many know that sometimes you need a prayer partner or a prayer circle? Come on, somebody. So don't just say prayer's hard. Prayer is a challenge sometimes because our flesh is involved, but remove the flesh by coming in prepared with with a plan and even getting a circle of prayer leaders who pray with you. 12 minutes ain't hard to pray. I'm telling you this, if this house, not if, but when, this house begins to see people praying and spending time with God, watch the level of love increase. Watch the level of glory increase. Stand with me, I'm through. Watch the level of peace increase. Watch the level of miracles increase. Somebody said, well, are we taking a break till the January 1st? No. (laughs) I'm putting this in you so that you understand when we get to the top of the year, we're joining the 100 movement. And people in this room who have found prayer intimidating are going to find it refreshing. You may pray 100 minutes all at one time. You may pray for three minutes one day and 30 the next. That's a witness. How many want God to help you and I and give us a praying spirit? I want the team to come and be prepared in just a moment but I want to pray for the church we've had people come and give their life to God and people been forgiven already but I want to pray for the church right now in fact I want you to reach over lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder would you do that right now Lord I pray for this 100 movement that is beginning in this house revolutionize the face of this church revolutionize the heart of this house give us a praying spirit Abba You said your house shall be a house of prayer. That's not this building. That's them. That's me. We are the house of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And just like you overthrew the temple, the the tables in the temple, I pray you'll overthrow the tables inside of me. Loose the dove inside of me, God. I pray that a prayer movement would begin. Come on, I pray for a prayer movement to begin inside of me. Let me be a house of prayer. Lord, make me a house of prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus. I break the religious lie that prayer is always hard and difficult. Show us the pleasure of prayer. Reveal to us the intimacy of prayer. Show us the joy of prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, pray for your neighbor for 30 seconds right now. 30 seconds, pray for him. God, give him a praying spirit. Put it down in him, quicken him. Lord, break every mentality, every stronghold that prayer is hard and difficult and we can't get a breakthrough. Teach us, Father God, how to persevere in a place called prayer. Teach us, Lord, how to find you in a place called prayer. I pray in the name of Jesus for intimacy. I feel this intimacy is going to be restored to somebody's heart. Somebody's lost their fire. We've gotten more interested in followers than we have fire, but God's about to give us our fire back in the church. And I declare some leaders watching me online right now on Monday morning, you're getting ready to get your fire back. In the name of Jesus, send the, send the wind of the Spirit, send the fire of God. Teacher, come on, 20 more seconds of prayer. Just, I, I know it. I know it. This is what, I, I'm not, I, we're not hitting walls and stopping. I declare in the name of Jesus that God's going to make prayer warriors out of people that the devil told them they were wimps. You're moving from a wimp to a warrior, and the Spirit of the Lord is going to give you a praying spirit that you're going to be a terror to darkness, and you're going to be a terror to the weapons of the enemy, and God's going to show you things. God's going to reveal things. God's going to speak things to you in prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Hey, family, while your faith is high and while God is speaking to you through this message today, I wanted to end this time together by saying a prayer for you and agreeing with you in prayer that God is going to meet you right where you are at the point of your need. As we pray, I want you to remember this. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. You don't have a problem. All you need is faith in God. And Today we're going to agree in prayer together for your healing, for your deliverance, for the miracle, for the blessing that you've been waiting on. I believe it's time to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the people of God who are watching today. Thank you for everyone who has tuned in to this this message and this broadcast, and we are agreeing in prayer right now that every need they have, you are going to supply it. Father, I reach out to you in faith, and I pray for the person who has lost that you would save them. For the person who is sick, that you would bring healing right now to their body. Father, for the person who needs a miracle financially, a miracle in their home, a miracle in their marriage, there's nothing too hard for you. And in Jesus' name, we speak to that issue. We command those mountains to be moved. And we thank you in advance for your blessing that's coming up on their lives today. In Jesus' name, we receive it. Amen. Friend, I can't wait to be with you next week. I'm going to keep praying for you until then. God bless you, spread the news, and we'll see you soon. Go in peace.